the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. And always very honored when you when you join us. Uh, Alan Dempsey does our engineering every weekend, does it very well. And uh, Andrew Herdliska puts this show together. He's our producer. Scott George, he's the pastor at Pine Castle United Methodist Church here in Orlando, co-founder of Community Food and Outreach Center. But we're going to talk about a book that he's put out, and uh, it's a good one. It's a good read. Doing Good, Great, 11 Secrets to Living Beyond Ordinary. First of all, Scott, welcome. I'm glad that uh, we can plug in here. Thank you, Pat. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. I need a little clarification on this title doing good, and then there's a great big great. Uh, unwind that for me. What's all, what does that mean? Well, it, uh, it came across as I was reading the Bible, which is, a, which is a, a, a fabulous book to read. I think you would agree. And uh, there's, a, there's a story in Acts chapter 9 about a, about a young lady by the name of Tabitha. And I really never understood the story or read it, but there was a phrase um, that that describes Tabitha, and it says this in Acts chapter 9. It says, And Tabitha was always doing good, helping the poor. And that really caught uh, my attention. I went and did some research and found out that the word Tabitha, her name means beautiful gazelle. Mm. And so I was just intrigued that here um, she's only mentioned once in the Bible. She only has one sentence. And it just got me to thinking, um, if we were fortunate enough to have one sentence said about us, what what would we want said? And we're not going to get a book, we're not going to get a chapter, but if we were to be featured in the Bible, what is the one phrase that would um, best describe our life and our ministry and our calling and our destiny? And what I thought about, I was like, my goodness, um, Tabitha. Always doing good and helping the poor, and so really the whole book just kind of started out out of that uh, Bible verse and and the phrase "doing good." And, and I really wanted to challenge the reader um, to do more than just uh, good, but really to take the next step and do good, great. So that's kind of how the title came. The book came together, and I hope it's a blessing to many people. Uh, secret one: in always big and small, do good, great. Beyond Ordinary People, Sweat the Small Stuff. Uh, fill us in on that first secret, if you would, uh, Scott. Well, um, little things matter. Um, you know, the Bible says uh, it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. And so uh, what, what I did in this book is I, I just highlighted just some easy principles that we can each apply to our life. And, and I think what's unique about this book is uh, in each chapter I highlight an international leader that is doing good, great. And then I also drill it down to work, because I think most people, uh, they can look at a Pope Francis and, and they can admire what he's done and the good that he's done. But I think sometimes it's helpful to have local examples of people in our community. So I interviewed 11 local leaders in our community that I think that are doing great and that ex- exemplify the principles that I talk about. So um, in the first chapter, I highlighted Pope Francis and all the great that he's doing in our community. But then I also uh, begin to highlight local leaders in our community that um, are doing great 
in small areas of their life. And if you're good in the little things, uh, the big things will really uh, take care of themselves. Let's go to secret two. Beyond Ordinary People Daily Discover Their Destiny. Yeah, another uh, simple principle of just uh, finding out what your calling is, discovering what your destiny is, and doing it. Um, one of the one of the highlights in that chapter is uh, Jesus, which uh, he was talked about in Acts chapter nine that he was always doing good. He went around doing good and healing all those that were oppressed. So I talked about Jesus was very confident in his destiny, his calling. He, like Tabitha, uh, went around doing good, but then he also took the next step and really, uh, we talk about really helping people. And um, Jesus was a, a beautiful example of someone who did good, but then I call it the one-two punch. He did good, but then he healed all those that were oppressed and how our truest uh, purpose and destiny in life is to really make people better and uh, give people a hand up in life. My guest is Scott George. His new book is out, Doing Good, and uh, Acts 936. Go look that up and put that on your shaving mirror. It's a good verse. Secret 3. Yeah, you know, Pat, it's, a, it, it's an overlooked uh, verse. It's an overlooked story that I think is, is really um, very appropriate for uh, the times we're living in. Uh, you know, later in that story, in Acts chapter 9, uh, Tabitha dies. Mm. And uh, Peter comes on the scene, and he resurrects her from the dead, which I think is really, really interesting. And then it says, in all of Joppa, so the whole region, the whole city, was aware of what took place. And, and as I started looking at her story and her life, I really believe that it is a it's a prophetic word to the church. It's a prophetic word to uh, Christians that our compassion for people has died. And God wants to resurrect um, this compassion. And when the world sees Christians and churches and leaders with a heart of compassion for the poor and the needy, that the whole world is going to recognize it, and the whole world is going to be aware of it. I mean, look at what Pope Francis has done just in the, in the few months that he's uh, assumed the leadership over the Catholic Church. He has transformed that organization, and it's almost like the spirit of Tabitha has, has risen up because of his heart for the poor and for the needy. Now we go to the third secret here, Scott. Beyond ordinary people camping out in the land called good, walk the road less traveled with a dissatisfaction of status quo. Yeah, how many of us um, love camping out in the, you know in the land called good? And um, in that chapter, I just I just talked about uh, again how we can how we can move from average from the ordinary to moving it to a land, you know, called great. And, and I talk about some of, uh, some of the, uh, the best friends of status quo. I love it. Uh, friend number one is complacency. Friend number two is excuses. Uh, friend number three is, is fear. Friend number uh, four is just uh, fatigue. And so I, I kind of identify some of those enemies that uh, keep us out of the land um, called great, and they just keep us uh, immobilized, uh, living just uh, just an average just an average life. You know, several years ago, um, when I started the Community Food and Outreach Center, which is really what birthed you know this this book, um, it was a desire to not just do good, but to do good great and. And families were coming to our church, and we were trying to help them, but we weren't doing a really good job of helping them. And so I, I kind of developed a new model of compassion, and I phrase, I, I've been using the phrase for 15 years, giving families and giving people a hand up and not a hand out. And I think in a nonprofit world and in churches, we've been so used to camping out in the land called good, and we just, we just give handouts. And handouts really don't help people. Entitlement doesn't work. Empowerment works. And so 
this book, the whole philosophy behind the book is really moving us to a place where we uh, are, are helping people with a heart of compassion, but not just doing it the traditional way, taking some necessary steps to move from doing good to doing good great, and doing it with the heart and the compassion of Jesus Christ and Tabitha. Our guest is Scott George. We're talking about his book, Doing Good Great, pastor at Pine Castle United Methodist Church uh, here in Orlando, co-founder of Community Food and Outreach Center. Uh, Just a reminder, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour you're listening to. Uh, It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN here in Orlando, Florida. More with Pastor Scott George right after these messages. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Maybe you've been walking with God for most of your life. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus or the Bible. Whatever your background, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN invites you to join us each Sunday morning at 1045 for Reach Orlando, a Bible-centered church with a passion to love God, love people, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Come study the Bible together with Pastor Adam Parsons and draw closer to God with Reach Orlando, Sunday morning at 1045 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you could choose any school from which to earn your college degree and be on your way to a better life, would you choose a school the Wall Street Journal recognized for producing some of the best qualified graduates, one the Princeton Review ranked as a leader in undergraduate education, and one U.S. News & World Report named number one in the nation for innovation ahead of both MIT and Stanford? Discover why Arizona State University is a clear choice for your future. In addition, ASU Online offers over 100 graduate and undergraduate programs you can take 100% online and on your schedule. You'll receive the exact same curriculum, degree, and prestigious faculty as our on-campus students. For information, call 1-800-720-2358. U.S. News & World Report also ranked ASU in the top 10 best places to earn an online degree. So get started today and learn to thrive with Arizona State University online. Call today at 1-800-720-2358. That's 1-800-720-2358. Treasures and pages of scoundrels and sages Get lost in the story of heartache to glory Browse and discover, cover to cover Worlds of excitement, hours of delight Just bring your curious mind And see what you'll find Bright light books, discover your story You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour On the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN And now, here's Pat Our guest is Scott George. Uh, We're uh, digging deeply into his book, Doing Good Great. We've come to the fourth secret, Scott. When goodness isn't good enough, beyond ordinary people continually live life in search of excellence. Yeah, great great chapter that just kind of motivates the reader to um, pursue excellence and get a real description of what excellence looks like so we can move into that new dimension, uh, you know, called, uh, called great. A um, couple good points in there. I talk about that excellence uh, starts from the inside out, that you can't pursue excellence by, by something outside of you. It really has to begin uh, from, from inside. I, I talk about excellence watches very carefully the friends that they keep. You know, if you tell me... Um, who your best friends are, I'll tell you the type of person that you're going to become. And so if we're going to move from good to great, uh, we have to watch our friends carefully because you will become the people that you hang around. Uh, another another great point is uh, excellence develops the courage to take risks. If you're going to pursue excellence, uh, you've got to have that uh, courage to uh, think outside the box and do what most people are unwilling to do. And so um, it's, a, it's a good chapter uh, just motivating us to move beyond goodness and uh, really begin to do things uh, great for Christ and his kingdom. The fifth secret, Scott, 
doing good, great, by harnessing the power of habit. Beyond ordinary people, practice the power of habit. Yeah, building uh, what I call, you know, uh, beyond ordinary habit. And uh, you show me what you do in a day, and, and, I'll, and I'll show you what you'll become. And so uh, habits have a way of, um, of making us or breaking us. And so um, I think sometimes a lot of people overlook daily habits, but it's the daily habits that uh, really form and forge our character and make us who we are to be. So if we're going to move into the arena of greatness, We've got to be able to uh, harness uh, the power of habit and uh, make sure that it's working for us um, on a daily basis. As we move to the sixth secret from your book, Scott, we learn about avoiding toxic charity by doing good, great, beyond ordinary people, live life putting first things first. Yeah. You know, uh, when I first heard that phrase, uh, toxic charity, it's from um, a friend of ours in Atlanta, Bob Lupton, who has spent um, about 40 years in the inner city of downtown Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. He wrote the book uh, Toxic Charity, and um, I would recommend that book uh, greatly. Uh, he's a real pioneer um, in challenging the status quo, and he really confronts how churches do compassion how charities do compassion, and it was a fabulous book that really challenged me uh, to begin to, uh, in helping people, move beyond, and I already talked about this a few minutes ago, uh, moving beyond handouts uh, to hand up. So, Pat, in in downtown Orlando, uh, 14 years ago, we we started the Community Food and Outreach Center. It is a, a campus where uh, 500 families a day visit our campus, and they get help with food, medical care, education, and we are moving people uh, in Central Florida off of entitlement to empowerment. And um, for the past 15 years, I've just seen how God has really blessed um this philosophy and bless this ministry. You know, Orlando leads the nation. We are number one in the nation. Almost 40% of our population make under $25,000 a year. So Orlando, the city beautiful, leads the nation in employment. And when people are making $2,000 a month, uh, it is very, very difficult to live. And so... Um, as we are on the radio today, we'll have 500 families visit our campus. And they're coming to our campus for help and hope, but they're not coming for a handout because handouts really produce entitlement, and it's really unhealthy. And so when I talk about toxic charity, I really identify how unhealthy it is for us as Christians, as churches, and as nonprofits to continually give, 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 without there being some kind of partnership and relationship that pulls people and and gives them the steps that they need to move out of poverty to become unsustainable. And so this is a this is really the crux of uh, of the book because it's challenging nonprofit leaders and pastors and Christians to uh, give to the poor, but then the next phase, and doing good great, is to be kind to the poor and have models of charity that can move people out of poverty. Let's move to uh, Secret 7, doing good great with integrity guardrails. Beyond ordinary people live with integrity guardrails. What, What are those, Scott? Well, I was uh, I was driving down I four, which I'm sure you have done a few times, Pat. Oh, yes, and uh, notice that it is very healthy and very necessary to have uh, guardrails on I four. Without the guardrails, uh, we will veer, we will get off track, we will get off uh, the road, and um, if you 
if you do that long enough, you will eventually crash, and it could cause uh, huge consequences. Guardrails are there to kind of keep us on track, and when we do veer, the guardrail keeps us from major disasters. And so I, I talk about in the book, Doing Good Great, that uh, if you're going to move from good to great, you've got to have the integrity and you've got to have the character, and it's the guardrails that we establish that will help us to stay on track and not uh, not veer off and cause tremendous damage to us and to so many others. I, I, I've been in the church all my life, and I've seen over the years the tremendous destruction that takes place when a leader uh, ignores uh, the guardrails and uh, doesn't live a life of integrity and character. It brings destruction to that person, to their family, and to all those that they lead. And so I, I want to challenge the reader that if you're going to move into a land called greatness, uh, you have to have the integrity guardrails that will keep you on track and, and keep you on the straight and narrow. Let's go to secret number eight. Doing good, great, by staying true to your true north. And then the question comes up, Scott, what does that mean? What is a true north? It is just, uh, it is is focusing on what your uh, ultimate purpose and destiny is. It's keeping uh, on track. It's that, uh, that shining star that you continue to look at. Uh, in my case, and I'm sure in the case of many of your listeners, um, staying true to our true north is following uh, our our leader Jesus Christ. It's keeping uh, him at the forefront of all we do. It's keeping our focus, and it really just challenges people to uh, to have not only a clock that they go by in life, but also a compass. And that compass uh, keeps us uh, <laughs> keeps our priorities in line. It keeps us on the right track, and it keeps us really helping people uh, when we are focused. We move now to secret number nine, doing good, great, when life sends a storm. Beyond ordinary people, dance in the rain when life sends a storm, you tell us, Scott. Yeah, how many uh, how many times have we uh, weathered storms? Um, storms become, usually without warning, they come to every one of our lives. And it really uh, will determine your future, how you respond uh, to storms. Uh, you can't avoid storms. Uh, they're, they're part of life. They happen every single day. And, and um, I found, Pat, over the years that storms will either change you or make you hard. And if you respond properly uh, to the storms of life, then even in the middle of the rain and the wind and the fear that comes because of that. Uh, you can dance in the rain because, you know, you know you're not alone, and you know that uh, these storms um, are not forever. They usually blow over, and if you respond properly, if you have the right heart, if you have the right attitude, if you don't get bitter, if you don't live a life of, of blame, then um, you will come out much, much better. And when you come out of a storm, then you're able to help other people who are in the middle of a storm. Um, I've been through a few storms in my life, uh, and it's the storms that make me better and stronger and healthier. And because I've been in the storm, I can help people now that are faced with storms in their life. And uh, if you haven't weathered a storm, then you really have no voice to people who are hopeless, and helpless and discouraged. I mean, you can imagine on our camp, 500 people every single day and 499 of them are in the middle of a storm. Mm. They're tired. They're trying their very best to make it in this economy. Uh, they're just looking for a little bit of help and hope. And I can speak now with experience because I've weathered the storm and I've allowed, uh, I've allowed Jesus Christ to give me the power and the strength to speak to my storm, to calm it and then give me the voice to be able to help people that are in the midst of uh, storms of life. Scott George is our guest. We're talking about his new book, uh, Secret Number 10, Scott. 
good together, doing good, great with a tribe. Beyond ordinary people, travel through life with a tribe, you tell us, Scott. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to really live a life of greatness, uh, you've got to have a team. You've got to have what I call a, a tribe that walk with you. Uh, you can't do it alone. One is a, is a lonely number. And I use the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the Good Samaritan really gets all the credit for that story in, in Luke's Gospel. But the Good Samaritan was smart enough to realize that if he was going to really help that Jewish man that had uh, uh, been on the side of the road, that he, he couldn't do it by himself. So what did the Good Samaritan do? The Good Samaritan had a tribe. He had a network. And the first person that he took that Jewish man to was the innkeeper. And the innkeeper was the one who was going to disciple and train and heal and bring this man uh, back to life, so to speak. And so uh, I use the story of the Good Samaritan to emphasize that we are going to move from good to great. You can never do it by yourself. You can never do it alone. You can't do it in isolation. You've got to have a team. You've got to have a tribe that together your strengths and your weaknesses complement one another, and you're able to bring people to wholeness. I, I've been in the nonprofit world for 30 years, and um, and even in churches. I'm really discouraged that churches and nonprofits and organizations operate in silos, and they think that they can uh, help people, and they're the only ones that can do it, and they just kind of operate in silos and I really feel that there's a wave coming to the nonprofit world and to the church world where we will tear down our silos and we will uh, tear down the walls that divide us and understand that not one church, not one organization, not one nonprofit is going to solve poverty in Central Florida. We have to tear down the fences and reach over and collaborate and help one another. And the Good Samaritan... Uh, is a wonderful example of what tribes will do in our lives when we will quit trying to do it all ourselves and let other people help us help people out of poverty. Scott, we covered everything but Secret 11. Uh, good to go. Doing good, great starts with you and starts now. Um, but I'm so thrilled we could visit, Scott. Congratulations on your book and uh, appreciate so much uh, the time we've had here. Good Thank you, Pat. It's been a joy talking with you. Thank you so much. Good going, Scott. Good going. Uh, we will be back right after this, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. we got to wrap up right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call Select Quote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10 year, policy for under $28 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-509-1667. That's 1-800-509-1667. 1-800-509-1667. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issue, and company, and other factors not available in all states. 
Even though the calendar says it's winter, here in Orlando, summer can go all year long. That means our air conditioners take a beating. And if your AC is on its last leg or not working at all and you've been putting it off, we've got an amazing radio deal for you. It's called Half Price Cooling. Get a new complete AC system for your home with installation for half price. No coupons, no games, no gimmicks. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com right away. Then cool down with the hottest deal in town. Half Price Cooling. Check it out right now at AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Scott George, our guest in that first half hour, uh, right here in Orlando. But uh, now, we're shooting all the way out to Seattle, where Brenda Salter McNeil joins us, Associate Professor of Reconciliation Studies in the School of Theology at Seattle Pacific University. Uh, We're going to talk about her book, Roadmap to Reconciliation, Moving Communities into Unity, Wholeness, and Justice. Boy, that's a mouthful, Brenda, Uh, but I'm fascinated with with what you've done here. First of all, welcome, and uh, you're being heard here in Central Florida, and we're glad that you're with us. Oh, thank you. It's a joy to be with you, and it is a mouthful, uh, but right now everything going on in our world and in our country says that we, we probably need to have a pretty full conversation, so it's not an easy topic, and I think we really do need to have enough um, uh, information to help us have a conversation that addresses all of the things we're facing in the country and around the world right now. Well, your book starts, your chapter one is a question what is reconciliation? So that's a good place to start, Brenda. Yeah, I, I start that, that chapter that way with the question because so many of us have come to believe, given the global diversity, the international diversity, the, um, the cultural diversity that we're experiencing all around us, when any of us call for tech support um, about our computers or our cell phones, we're probably talking to someone in another country, um, who come from a different cultural background than we do. And so it's become a part of our normal society to know that we are very, very diverse. But then we'll say, we should, we should pursue reconciliation. But then if we say to someone, well, what exactly is reconciliation? Is it that we just say nice things to each other and make sure that we don't say things that are offensive? Is it tolerant so that you don't offend me, I don't offend you? Uh, I think we've had a concept that we all, in theory, agree with that that reconciliation is an important value. But if you ask us all, what is reconciliation? Many of us can't answer that question. And so I wanted to begin by naming that and trying to say, let's begin by clarifying what it is we're calling people to do. And Brenda, you then move to this topic, landmarks of reconciliation. Uh, What does that mean? Yeah, I say in this book, and I call it Roadmap to Reconciliation, because I realize that we're encouraging people to pursue reconciliation. And almost any place in the country, I'm sure this is true of Central Florida as well, most of us agree reconciliation is something that we should pursue. But we don't know how to do it, and we don't know if we're on the right um on the right road, if we're going in the right direction. And so I say in this book that this is the book I wish I had. There was no roadmap for me or for those of us who have been on this journey for a long time. We figured it out by trial and error. And so what I've tried to create here is a map, um, a GPS system, if you will, that has various landmarks that say this is the way you know you, your church, your small group, your organization is moving in the right direction. Here's some of the signposts that tell you that you're moving toward the goal of reconciliation. So it's not so much um, an ambiguous journey, but that there are ways that you can measure your progress and have a sense that you're moving in the right direction. What does this mean, Brenda, that you write about in in the third chapter, Shake It Up, The Power of (laughs) Catalytic Events? What's that all about? Yeah. Well, part of the question is, how do we get on the road to reconciliation? Do we just wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm just going to become a person who pursues reconciliation. The truth is, most of us are really busy people, and we don't walk, wake up in the morning thinking that reconciliation is our highest value. We're not against it, but we're not actively pursuing it. And so the question is, what gets us on the journey? And I want to suggest that what gets us on the journey is these catalytic uh, events that happen. Some 
sometimes they're global or national uh, events. 9-11 would have been a, a, a national catalytic event where everything for many of us changed, and it made us start to realize that the world was a different place than we understood it to be, and it was going to require something different of us all. And so I want to say that just like we learned when we were in school, catalysts are things that start a process. And these catalytic events, some of them are personal. So I'd love to challenge your listeners to even look back on their own lives and look at those things that happened that were catalytic, that got them to start asking new questions, pursuing new friendships, um, questioning some of the things that they thought before. For many of us, it happens when we go to college or when we engage with people who are different from us for the first time. I could tell stories of the catalytic moments that have caused people to kind of wake up to the reality that reconciliation was something that they needed to pursue. And now I want you to talk about a shift in perspective, uh, the the realization phase. Yeah. Let me tell you a story about both the catalytic event and that shift in perspective. Maybe that's more interesting for folks as we're trying to think about what does it look like to be on the road? Well, there was a youth pastor who had a catalytic event. Make a long story short, and this, this story is in the book. To make a long story short, he was white. He had led a young African-American uh, student, high school student, to Christ, and the guy was a wrestler. The student was a wrestler. They were wrestling and roughhousing, and something happened where they got each other in a and a lock or headlock, and the youth pastor, who, as I mentioned, was white, had the the young African-American wrestler in such a hole that he couldn't wiggle free. And at some point, I don't know what he did, but he flipped his body over, he broke the hole, and then the youth pastor screamed his name in shock. And so they thought, the, the, the young student thought, that somehow maybe he had hurt his coach. Come to find out, the pastor said, your hair is soft. And, and, and the young student said, yeah. And he said, do you know what I've been told all my life? I've been told all my life that African-American people's hair was like brillo or steel wool, but your hair is soft. For that youth pastor, that was a catalytic moment where he had to come to a reality now that what he had grown up thinking and knowing or thinking that he knew about other people might not actually be true. That's the shift in perspective. The catalytic event was he had a reality shift where he had a relationship that made him question things that he had been told all his life. It shook him up. It made him, it made him scared, actually, because it made him say to himself, if that's not true, what else might not be true? And then after that happened, it caused him to have a shift in perspective, and he had a realization that maybe he was misinformed. Brenda Solder McNeil is with us from Seattle. Her book is called Roadmap to Reconciliation, Moving Communities into Unity, Wholeness, and Justice is the subtitle. Okay, Brenda, now uh, we're going to talk about a group effort, please. Uh, the The identification phase. What's that mean? Yeah. I love this because what I know for sure is that reconciliation is not a solo sport. It's not an individual effort. We can't reconcile by ourselves. And sometimes I think we can get too focused on making a friend one-on-one. Real reconciliation is communal. And that's why it's moving communities into unity, wholeness, and justice. We have to do reconciliation together. Identification, that whole notion of it being a group effort is when we begin to recognize that there are people that we may not have been in relationship with before, that we may not have collaborated with before, that we may not have understood that they were a part of our people too. Even though we look differently, eat different foods, maybe speak different languages, we really are connected and I identify with you. It would be as if parents regardless of their racial backgrounds, all said, you love your children, I love my children, and because we are parents and we want the best for our children, we're going, to co- we're going to come together and we're going to collaborate and we're going to work together because I identify with you and you identify with me. And so we're going to work on this together because we care about the same things. Your concerns are my concerns, and that's what a group effort requires. And then uh, we move to planning for action. Uh, You call that the preparation phase. Mm -hmm. 
I jokingly say in the book that this is where I get unhired when I'm a, a consultant. I don't get fired by God's grace, but it appears that there are times that I get called less. And I think it's because after we have a group effort and people are making nice with each other, most of us feel like reconciliation is done. But preparation says this is not about having kumbaya moments. This is not about First Baptist visiting Second Baptist or whatever the case might be. This is about preparing for the long haul. This is looking at our systems and our structures and asking ourselves, what does it really mean to count the cost? So that this is not something we do as a reactionary um, uh, expression of our faith or our commitment or concern. This becomes a commitment that we plan to sustain over the long haul, and we've got to prepare for it. we're starting a new year, and many of us will make all kinds of resolutions. They won't last if we don't prepare ourselves to say, how am I going to sustain this long after the newness has worn off? And that's the same question we have to ask about reconciliation. Brenda, what does this mean, doing justice, the activation phase? Yeah. This is where we put all of our um, efforts to say, this is not something that's just for us to feel good about ourselves. This is because the Bible says to us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and that in Jesus Christ, the whole intention is that the world is made to be a better place, that all people are given the opportunity to flourish and to thrive and to reach their God-given potential. And so any systems, any structures that limit that from being the case, reconciliation addresses those. And so activation is where we come out of our small little uh, churches or house fellowships or small groups, and we say, how can God make the world a better place through us? What does it look for us to, to love mercy and to do justice? What are specific things God would have us to address to make reconciliation a reality in our world. So there used to be an old jazz song that says, it don't mean a thing if it, if it ain't got that cling. The truth is it don't, with that, that swing, it doesn't mean a thing if we don't get out and activate it and literally do the work of reconciliation. And that will always mean that, like Jesus, we will be the kinds of people who help to see the captive set free, the blind able to see, the lame walk, and things changed in the world around us. Now we get to the eighth topic. Brenda Salter McNeil is our guest from Seattle. Staying the course, living out holistic transformation. What's that mean? Yeah, part of it is just knowing that this is not a um, a kind of journey like a sprint. We don't do this and think, well, in six months we'll be all done with that, and we get to. Uh, Uh, check it off our list, this is something that we've got to understand is a marathon, and we've got to be ready to stay the course and be involved over the long haul. And and we've got to understand that it's a process, and it's going to have ups and downs. And so if you look at the book cover, and you'll see the road that, that that's on the front of the book. And many people, I'll say to them, what does that road suggest to you? And they'll say, you don't see the end of the road. There's ups and downs in the road, and that's exactly the way it is with reconciliation. There are times that the journey will be really long, and those of us who plan to pursue reconciliation have got to say to ourselves, What are the skills I need? What is the attitude I need to be able to press on and stay in the work of reconciliation, not just while it's in vogue, but over the long haul? Your conclusion is called A Vision of a Flourishing Future. Um, It sounds great, but uh, I need you to explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as we talk about reconciliation and the, and the definition that uh, that I uh, developed so that this book is clear about what reconciliation is and where it is we're going, the final phrase says, so that uh, all people can flourish, so all of creation can flourish. And that was the intention of God in the beginning, that all creation would flourish, that um that things would be like it was in the beginning when God looked at everything that God made and said, this is good, 
this is good. And so the vision is that there's a day coming, and we may um, not see it all the time, especially now with so much of the rhetoric that's going on in the world. For many of us, the polarization has become very wearying. But I want to say to those of us who believe there is a future coming where people will be together, the lion will lay down with the lamb, and there will be shalom. There will not always be a, a reality of violence and division, but the vision of flourishing where things are the way they're supposed to be and there's healing for the nations, that's the promise of God for us, and that's where we're going. And- Brenda Salter McNeil, she's our guest. we got another segment with Brenda here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Always delighted when you join us, and... Uh, Please stay tuned. Brenda's got more to teach us here in just a minute. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, Bill Files here, GM of Salem Media Group Orlando. You've heard me talk about Half Price Tuition, a great new program we have where folks just like you can purchase tuition to the finest Christian schools in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. I want to share with you some comments from a listener who recently purchased tuition for her daughter. This listener called me, and once she found out that the program was for real, she and her husband decided to buy it. She said, before we hang up, I wanted to thank you and to share with you that my husband and I have been praying for a way to send our girl to Christian school. Your half-price tuition program has made that possible. Thank you. This is what it's all about. If you or someone you know could benefit from our half-price tuition program, I hope you'll give me a call, 407-618-1760, or visit our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price tuition, another positive idea from Salem Media Group Orlando. Schools like the Geneva School and Altamont Christian School are available right now. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Have you looked under the hood of your health insurance policy lately? What happens if you get a serious illness or you get in an accident, you end up in the hospital and you can't work? How are you going to pay your bills? According to the American Cancer Society, one in three women and one in two men will get cancer in their lifetime. And according to a Harvard study, the costs associated with serious illness like cancer are the leading cause of bankruptcy. Find out right now how a supplemental plan can give you a cash benefit. You can use the money for anything you need, pay your bills, pay for travel to and from a hospital, meals, and a lot more. For a few dollars a day, you can give your family an added layer of financial protection. Call the supplemental insurance line right now for a free quote. 800-516-9794 That's 800-516-9794 You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN And now, here's Pat Brenda Salter McNeil is with us from Seattle uh, her book is called Roadmap to Reconciliation. Brenda, what do you want people to take from this book and from our discussion? I want them to know that this is a handbook, that this is a, a book that anybody who wants to say, I don't want to just know what to do, what, what, what's the problem. I want to know how to be a part of the solution. I'd like to have a handbook that helps you to know what are the process, what's the process, what are the stages, and I want you to know that this is the book I wish I had. I wrote this for those of us who are ready to say, I am convinced that this is important. Now show me how to do, how to do it. Brenda, I am interested in... Uh... Seattle Pacific University. Tell us about that school. Yeah, Seattle Pacific University is a Christian college, about 3,500 undergraduate students, 
And uh, at Seattle Pacific, we, over the last five years, developed a minor in reconciliation. So you can major in psychology, you can major in business or education or nursing, political science, whatever your major is, we're saying that you're going to be doing the work of education or being a lawyer or a pastor or whatever you're called to be, but you're going to be doing that profession in a very multicultural, multi-ethnic world. And because of that, we want you to have a minor in reconciliation studies that will complement any major. And I am the director and professor of reconciliation studies at SPU. Uh, Tell me about your students in general. Yeah, there's not one type of student. Um, I'm having some really wonderful experiences of watching students for the first time grapple with these issues from all different racial and ethnic backgrounds, some of whom are saying that they've never really had to think about this before. And that's exactly what college is supposed to be, a place where students wrestle with information, um, come to their own clarity and convictions, read from different perspectives, and have engaging dialogue and experiences that broaden their awareness and, and prepare them for the world. And so I have both undergraduate and graduate students who are going to seminary. All of them are beginning to ask the question, what then must we do? And um, our classes have been filled with overflowing. I'm very, very pleased. Tell me about the city of Seattle. Well, Seattle is a very innovative place. We've got Starbucks and Microsoft and Google and um, so many tech companies, and so it's innovative here. It's diverse, and it's a wonderfully um, progressive city, meaning people want to think about important new things. They want to grapple with what it is to be on the cutting edge. And um, and I think they also are very aware, because of the global nature of this city, that the world is a global society, and we've got to develop the skills and competencies to do business globally, to understand different perspectives, to interact with people people who come from different places around the world. And so it's been a wonderful place to launch the work of reconciliation. And I should say this, at at Seattle Pacific University, the reconciliation studies minor is rooted in the school of theology, because we want Christian students to understand that this is not a byproduct of our faith. The call of reconciliation is central to what it means for us to be agents of, of, of the kingdom of God. Scripture says that we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation in Second Corinthians. And now what we're trying to say to Christian students is that this is something that we're to embrace as a part of our faith, which is why it's in the School of Theology. Do most of your students stay in the Seattle area? Not at all. Many of them will go back to the various places around the country from which they've come, and some of them will go on to do work in other countries. It's been wonderful to watch them come, be trained, have their four-year education, and then be called to all over the places around the world and around the country. So some will stay in Seattle, but most will go back to the cities that they have come from from around, from around the U.S. Brenda, tell me about the church life or the churches in Seattle. What, what, what is it like? What, what kind of a spiritual yeah. base is there? Well, I'm the teaching pastor at Quest Church, which is an evangelical covenant church in uh, in Seattle. Our pastor is Eugene Cho, who is a very, very uh, uh, accomplished writer and blogger and um, social uh, speaker around the country. Our church is a multiracial, multi-ethnic church and a multicultural church. So we sing uh, songs in different languages. Our worship team uh, helps us to experience what it is to get ready for heaven and the kingdom of God. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful place for me to be because it's the kind of church that's trying to practice these things in its congregational life. I won't say that all churches are like that, um, but in Seattle, I think there's a growing number of churches that are trying to ask the question, how do we bridge the gap? How do we bridge the racial divide? And I've seen all kinds of wonderful examples of people trying to take that more seriously. Tell me about the book you wrote a while back called A Credible Witness. What was that about? Yeah, A Credible Witness is the book right prior to Roadmap to Reconciliation, and it's based on the example of Jesus in John chapter 4, who interacts with the woman at the well, a Samaritan. And I look at both two very important realities, that the cross is intended to reconcile us to God, which is the vertical access of reconciliation. And many of us talk about that, understand that, believe that. I also want to suggest that in that very same act of reconciliation to God, 
God, as we look at what happens in John chapter 4, we're also called to be reconciled to each other. And it requires both the vertical and the horizontal reality of the cross to truly present the gospel. And so we look at the life of Jesus as the example of reconciliation and evangelism, and it's probably, uh, prior to Roadmap to Reconciliation, one of the most popular books I've read. Tell me about your family, Brenda. Yeah, I'm the mother of two children. My husband and I uh, have two young adult children who help me with Roadmap to Reconciliation because I really do want this next generation to feel prepared to, to live into the reality of being a reconciliation generation, a multiracial, multicultural generation who can do more than just be tolerant of each other. So my children were my consultants. I checked on things with them. My son chose the cover. My husband is an administrator at a um, graduate school for psychology and theology here in Seattle. We've been married. 30 years, and um, so many of the things I write are very much a reflection of my family's commitment to my call to reconciliation and the journey that we've been on together. Where did you grow up, Brenda? What were your, your early years like? Yeah, I grew up in a family of four in Trenton, New Jersey. My mom and my dad both worked for the city of, of Trenton, and um, I'm the second of four kids, and um, all of my family is still on the East Coast. I went to Fuller Theological Seminary, which is what took me from New Jersey to California, where I finished my Master's of Divinity degree, and then my husband and I moved to Chicago, where he finished his Ph.D., and I finished my doctorate degree, where we raised our children until we moved here to Seattle about five years ago. What were your years like in Chicago, Brenda? Yeah, Chicago is a, a wonderful, wonderful city and a great place to work on reconciliation. I, I miss it dearly. It's still a place that is very much dear to my heart. But I'll say this about Chicago, which I love. Even though there are many, many challenges, and I'm sure people who listen to the news hear about some of the things that, that the city is challenged with, I love the fact that she, Chicago understands that reconciliation is a combination of forgiveness and justice and a call to peace um, uh, and repentance in a way that those things are not separated. Justice and peace go hand in hand as, as people in Chicago understand that the two are necessary for us to really experience recon reconciliation. I learned a lot from the people who lead and live the reality of reconciliation in the city of Chicago. I'm very proud to have been, been a member of that community for over 20 years. Brenda, I'm delighted that we could visit. Congratulations on your book, Roadmap to Reconciliation. IVP is the publisher, Moving Communities into Unity, Wholeness, and Justice. Uh, contributions by your husband, a forward by Eugene Show. You've got a winner going here, Brenda, and I'm so glad that we could visit, and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. It's an absolute joy. I have a connection to Central Florida. I'm on the board of Wycliffe yes. Bible Translators, and so know that I am happy to share this time with you, and I have a, a, a place that's special in my heart for Central Florida as well. Well, that's good to hear, Brenda. Good to hear. All the best to you, Brenda. Take good care of yourself. We're back for a wrap-up, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay with us. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at GraceImpact.org. 530 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us here for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first half hour, Scott George, uh, local, uh, we were chatting about his new book, Doing Good, and then we uh, whipped out to Seattle. Brenda Salter McNeil, a lively conversation about her book, Roadmap to Reconciliation. Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. 
the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. I've got a new book. Uh, it's in bookstores now. It's called uh, Extreme Winning, the 12 qualities that it takes to really be a winner in life. I think you'll enjoy it. It's in the uh, bookstores, self-improvement section, and uh, Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books. Have a great day tomorrow with your family in church and a really nice week ahead. And then we're back next weekend for more here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, booming out across the I-4 corridor. See you next week, folks. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.